Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan Thaliano, and this is Light Notes. I have tried to record this intro like 10 times, trying to make it perfect or trying to make it excellent. But you know what? I've learned in life that you'll never be perfect. Sometimes you might not even be excellent, but you can be great or you can give it the best you can. So I'm just going to keep the record button going and I am just going to keep going for it without trying to, without editing anything. Um, Cause in life you don't really get a lot of opportunities to edit. You just have to sometimes go with the flow. So uh, before I begin uh, with today, today's topic, um, a quick disclaimer. Um, a lot of you may know it from my old episodes in the black tea segments, uh, but uh, I may not always say what is right, but at least I say something. I may not always do what is right, but at least I'm doing something. I may not be exactly who I want to be, but at least I know I am somebody. And guess what? You are somebody too. This is Light Notes. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning. Good evening. Wherever you find yourself, no matter what you're doing, no matter who you're doing, no matter where you're doing it at, I hope that you are all continuing to mind your own damn business and living your life for your for to reach your goals and to to reach all of your dreams and your ambitions. So it's uh, today, I think it's, it's rather symbolic right now. This is the first episode that I'm recording and it's raining outside. And I know in some cultures or some spiritualities, you know, the rain symbolizes uh, God's blessings or provision. And in some cultures, the rain represents purity or cleansing and what not a better time to start talking about light notes. Um, what not a better time than while, while it's raining outside, things have kind of calmed down for the day. Um, I've been meaning to do this for a long time, but I've just been so caught up as a millennial. Um, you could probably guess my age, not that age really matters, but you know, it's, I've been working so much. Like I feel like for years and years and years and years, it's just been nonstop work and then off on Saturdays and Sundays if I'm lucky, but I've just been caught up in this like work vortex to the point where sometimes I forget to enjoy life. And I like some people say, well, stop and smell the roses. I'm like, I don't even have time to stop and smell the roses. I'm so just trying to stay laser focused on being an adult and not getting evicted. Like, um, I moved to Dallas uh, from New Orleans, Louisiana, which is where I'm originally from, um, several years ago, whenever I graduated from high school in 2005. And during that time, um, a lot of people know the Hurricane Katrina, hurricanes uh, had, hurricane had happened, and uh, me and my family had went to Houston for a while. And I was super depressed. I was super depressed through high school a lot, even through childhood, I think. You know, as I'm getting older, like I'm realizing what those emotions were, but super depressed through childhood, super depressed through high school, especially, you know, a lot of pivotal things happen in high school, like my best friend passing away and me dealing with death for the first time and um, from someone close anyways, because back in the day, me and my grandma used to do funerals at the church because I'm a musician. So I was a a young childhood musician, so I was exposed to a lot of different things, which is pretty cool and pretty traumatizing at the same time. But anyways, um, in 2005, we were in Houston at my aunt's house, and I was just depressed. And my whole high school 
experience, I have always just thought about getting away and living life in the big city to escape the clutches of the religious South, right? So I had always, in true artistic fashion, wanted to move to New York City or to out of the country, just not to just get away from the South, but just to, I always knew that there was more out there. I've always known that I was meant to do more than the people that are around me. I've always knew that I was unique, I more unique. Um, I thought that in many ways I was more special. And even still to this day, I know that I'm more unique and more special. And we're all special in our own special way, but some people I believe God created just uniquely different. You know, I was just saying the other day, like not all of us are trying to stand out for attention. Not all of us are trying to be the center of attention, but some of us just have this God-given ability to light up rooms and to shift atmospheres whenever we walk into a room, whenever we speak or whenever we smile or even whenever we frown or want to be negative, you know, we're just gifted. And naturally, I felt like I belonged in a different place and Louisiana just was not big enough for me. So um, I was strictly forbidden basically to like go to another state like like New York. It just wasn't possible at the time. Um, And then Hurricane Katrina happened. So even if I had any plans to go anywhere else, it just wasn't conceivable. So I decided to come to Texas. And well, sort of. So I got invited some friends from church. Um, Her name was uh, Naomi. She was getting married in Dallas and she had asked me to play the piano and sing at her wedding. So I took the Greyhound bus from Houston to Dallas to sing for her wedding. And this is several months after Katrina, by the way. And then I saw this city and I just instantly fell in love. I'll never forget how it felt when I was looking out of the window on the Greyhound bus and I saw the Dallas skyline for the first time. And even till this day, whenever I'm out of town and I'm traveling back into town, seeing that skyline just always reminds me of what it felt like to see it for the first time. And it'll always be special to me because it was in that moment, in that experience where I really realized that dreams could actually come true. And I realized that it no longer made sense to settle, like getting a taste of what life could be or getting a taste of something different. How could I go back to something that I know I wasn't happy? I wasn't going to do it. So... I did some fast talking and enrolled into a um I enrolled into a Bible college. It was called Christ for the Nations Institute cuz instinctively I knew that one, the only way I could get away from Louisiana was to say, well, God has this plan for me. And and, and he did, but you know, telling your family that you want to go to fashion design school, which is what I really wanted to do, or go to art school or be an artist or be a a singer and all that, that's not going to fly in a black household, okay? And no disrespect to the fam bam, no disrespect to, like, culture, like, black culture whatsoever. But, you know, when kids are growing up and saying they want to be, like, chefs or anything, like, creative, like, artists, like, black families don't usually stand for it. It's like, you got to be a lawyer or a doctor or if you're not, like 
amazing at athletics, like to the point where you could get into the NBA or the NFL or whatever. You need to bring, like they were saying on the on one of my favorite movies, "What's Love Got to Do with It?" You know, you're gonna bring a steady paycheck in this house. So, I always wanted to be a chef. Even till this day, I would literally drop everything if I could to go to chef school. But I have to go like in Central Pay or like South of France or something, you know, and do it like Gordon Ramsay style or like you know, be a black Julia Childs. Anyways, um, so I. I didn't lie and say I wanted to be a missionary. That was one of the things that I wanted to do, but I was just smart enough in the moment to know that in order to break away, it would have to be something related to a spiritual nature. Otherwise, there was nothing that I could have done or said that would have been good enough to satisfy my mom releasing me to go because she was not having she was not having it. Like, there's just no way. It was just not happening. Like, you got to be close by in case emergencies happen. You need to be near us, this, that, and the other. So, with that said, um, I enrolled in school. I was uh, I was there for quite a while. I had moved in with some friends at first that were from, uh, from Louisiana. And we were all really close until... Um, until my really close friend accused me of, um, trying to get with his girlfriend, if he only knew what the realty was, we'll get into that later. Um, which it was not the case at all. Uh, she was just really, she was just a really great person and we just really connected. She was an interior design school. Naturally, the artistic nature of that inspired me and I just really wanted to, she was just cool and she was from another part of the world and that was one thing back when I was coming up in high school, I would talk to people all around the world. Like if you're familiar with AOL Instant Messenger or AIM or Yahoo Messenger or back in the day before we were texting and we had Instagram and MySpace and Zanga, if you're old enough to remember that, we were, chat rooms were the thing, man. And I would talk to people all the time, all over the world. Like, I remember at sometimes too, like, you know, it would be like, you know, logging on the internet and getting like 15 AOL CDs and keep continuing to sign up for free hours and free trials. And my older brother, bless his heart, he would hang up the phone. He would pick up the phone and hang up just to ruin my internet connection because he was being a hater. But anyways, I would talk to people all around the world. So when I met her, I was just so fascinated to meet someone from Colombia with an, a real life accent, like in Louisiana. Louisiana, where I was coming up, like it was just white people or black people and occasional Mexicans uh, every now and then. But I wasn't I was in a private Christian school until I went to a Catholic school and then went back to a Christian school. And there wasn't a lot of different cultures represented represented. So in 2005, 2006 was when I really like met my first person who was really like from out of the country that could fluently speak a whole language. And it just fascinated me. And she was just cool. So anyways, not to like have a quick sidebar about that, but me and my friend that I was staying with, um, they basically accused me of trying to sleep with her or trying to get with her, which was not the case at all. Um, And then I winded up moving with in with my aunt. Um, And then I winded up moving in. um, I was out on my own for a second. I had an apartment which was my first apartment. It was like $600 a month, which is really awesome. And I got a job at uh, American Airlines Center. And during the course of that time, I had to, um, whenever I was enrolled at the seminary, um, I traveled 
uh, to the Philippines. So I left the country for the second time because I'd went to Mexico during my senior trip and I did missionary work there for quite a while and then winded up unenrolling from the seminary due to a number of reasons. Primarily, I couldn't afford the tuition anymore. And I had got a taste for what the real world was. And I was just honestly more interested in that because in being enrolled in the seminary, you're just constantly getting beat up all the time spiritually by not feeling good enough or not feeling great. Like there's always, and in life, there's always, you know, things that you can work on and there's always ways you can be a better person and accomplish better things, make better choices and constantly grow. But who wants to sit there at church all day long or in school all day and just get beat up and hear how terrible you are? Like, and so I ended up withdrawing and then I got a job at, not just I started out at American Airlines Center and I was bussing tables because um, I couldn't get a job as a server because, mind you, I only had work experience from working in a summer camp. And then um, I met these these uh, this these two girls. Um, I was at Starbucks in West Village and I met this cool girl. Her name was Gracie and she was with her friend Nayeli. And they were just like the coolest chicks I'd ever seen in my life. Like Nayeli was just, she had really cool hair and she had these beautiful like blue eyes and Gracie had this like red, red hair and this like milky white skin. And they were both from, from Mexico. And they invited me to a house party. Now, mind you, I had just stumbled in West Village. I don't remember why I was there, but I was there at the Starbucks. I don't know if it's still there, but that's why I was there. And it was quite ironic because some of the students from Christ for the Nations were also there in that coffee shop. And they were all in line and they were probably coming from like a church event or something. And I, if my memory serves me right, you know, Gracie and Nayeli were sitting there like, wow, those people are really hot, which they were. Like, there was, like, some stunning people enrolled in the seminary. So I went up, and I talked to the people from the seminary, like, hey, what's up, blah, 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 long time no see, all the pleasantries. And then I talked to, I went up to talk to Gracie and Nayeli, and they invited me to a hotel party. And it was, I went to the hotel party. They were having it, um, I they were having it at the Doubletree Hotel. And it was a Doubletree Hotel Campbell Center um, on uh, Carruth Haven in Dallas, a little bit north of downtown. And we went to the, I, it was my first party. It was the first time I'd ever drank absolute vanilla vodka. I'd never had alcohol ever before. So that was my first time as well. Like, I think I drank like absolute vodka and Coke. It was so strange. But I just did it because I was like, whatever. This is the this is what living in the big city is all about. I want to live here. So whatever. Let's just do it. Let's do all the things that I'm not supposed to do. So while I was at the house party, I mean, at the hotel party, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a really fancy hotel. I've never been in a really fancy hotel before. I think I could work here. So let me try and kill two birds with one stone. So I stumbled down while I was a little bit tipsy to the front desk. And I met this lady. Her name was Amanda Young. She was the sweetest person ever. I asked her for a job application. And I filled out the job application. And whenever we were checking out from the hotel the next day, I submitted my job application. And I got an interview and met with this lady. Her name was Nora in HR and landed the job at the hotel. And I worked there for quite a while and made lots of friends. I learned what the corporate structure, what corporate looks like, and I had uh, I had to 
started relaxing my hair and slicking it back so that I would fit in with the white dudes wearing the suits because I was feeling very outcasted and different and didn't really quite know how to navigate around that being still so young and just thrown into it and really just wanting to be accepted and wanted to be a part of something that I knew was bigger than myself. Like I was willing to, I was willing to compromise things that made me feel uncomfortable just for the sake of getting closer to what my heart was desiring. Ooh, that's deep. I was willing to compromise parts of myself that made me feel uncomfortable. Like, why am I relaxing my hair? I've never relaxed my hair first, but I was willing to to do it because I know that there was a bigger picture. So if I had to compromise my hair texture, I was willing to do it. If I was, if I had to do certain things for certain things to accomplish things or to get things, some of you know what I'm talking about, then I was willing to do it. And I think in life, we have to be very careful with that because Although our dreams are important and our, our ambitions are important, we have to be careful what parts of our lives and what parts of ourselves we're compromising to get the things that we want. Because if we're not careful, we could wind up selling ourselves short and we could wind up losing ourselves. Lose yourself, it's, it's super hard because... If you lose yourself for too long, you forget who you are and you forget your whole purpose of why you set out to make the decisions or why you made the decisions that you made in the first place. So you have to be careful when you're compromising yourself. You know, sometimes I think it's necessary. Um, sometimes I look at it as, okay, I am compromising temporarily, but this is an investment in the future so that I can achieve the next thing that I want. So... Um, shortly after that, I worked there and then I met uh, this guy. He, We became best friends and then eventually he talked me into, I'm sorry, before that I met, me and Gracie were still friends and we decided to enroll in fashion design school. And we were doing that for a while, which was so much fun. We were so adventurous then. I mean, we would park our car at the train station just to ride the train to downtown to feel like we were in New York, just to live the fantasy, even though we could have totally just drove downtown. And at that time, I had a car. I had like a 92 Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and it was uh, it was uh, baby blue. It was the, it, it was a cute car. And also during that time I was working at first family church. I was a piano player and I was singing. So there I was again doing in between something that I wanted and then something that I did, I, that felt okay. You know, it was like, I was in that shadow. Like, so I was working at a church, but I was also in fashion design school and also working at the hotel. So I I felt trapped because I wanted to be a part of the church because I grew up in the church, you know, and it felt right and it was the right thing to do. And I've always been taught that that's what you do. But I also wanted to be in fashion design school, but that was taking me away from work and I didn't want to get evicted. So I had to do that. So I winded up dropping out from fashion design school because I couldn't afford it all. And I stayed at the hotel and I stayed at the church and I was still partying too. And one thing, if anybody knows about me, I always threw a good house party. You know, I remember being underage 
um, and still being able to have a full liquor supply, like, at my house. You know, you just got to make friends, you know? And during that time, during those earlier years of Thaliano, I was Ryan the Lion then, some of you know. And um, I would have parties and I would be at fashion events and I was working at a modeling agency because I had uh, stopped working at the hotel because I met this, my friend who had, he's like, I had this really cool opportunity. We should totally do this. So we did. And we were out at the malls recruiting models. And then I became a talent executive and I booked people for fashion shows and photo shoots and like just top of my game. Right. Like, and before that, like I had got evicted like twice from my apartment because it was just expensive and I didn't really know how to manage money. I just know how to make money. So then, um, Many years later, and all the old stories will come up later on um, in other episodes, but I started working for the agency, and I was still working in the church. And I was doing my best to be the best Christian boy that I could be, but also still like living my life like in the streets or like or in more of a secular way, as the church would say, you know, and was really just ostracized and really just persecuted by Christian peers because in their opinion, I had no business at certain places. And in reality, you know, being at that time, probably 21, 22, I had made friends when I moved to Dallas, you know, from events who did not go to church and who was not, who weren't a part of it. But we were really close and I would invite them and some of them would come from time to time. But also I was working at a modeling agency. So I had to be out in the streets because I was recruiting models. It's how I made my money and made a lot of a crap ton of money. And the people at the church would just, like they would see me. People, there would be rumors like, well, we seen him here and we seen him there and da, 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 da. And if you've ever seen me in person, you're not going to see me and ever forget you ever met me. I'm just one of those people. Right. But the way they came about it, it hurt me so deeply because I was never I was only given one time to really explain myself. And um, the head of the music department, his name was Gary. Gary was one of the he was a mentor to me in the church because instinctively he knew everything about me but he still gave me a shot and he was never he he was never a person that was like what you're doing is wrong he just knew that there was something about me that was special and that was unique and he knew that I was called to be set apart from the traditional mindset of what Christian men were supposed to be or what Christians were supposed to be and while I was walking boldly through that I was also petrified because that church family had become my family because I couldn't go home for Christmas all the time, you know, as funds started to get low, like to be around for the holidays and stuff like that. It just started to get few and far between because I would be working. And I didn't know that taking jobs in corporate America and all that, you would have to sacrifice those things. I thought that there would always be time. You kind of just live your life like that. And so inside the church, I mean, I would sing my butt off and I mean, like call down heaven, call that like it was just amazing. Like, right. And during that time, also getting beat up and being persecuted by people gossiping and starting all these rumors, none of which were true, by the way. I was not out sleeping with people. I was not out acting 
like I was not out doing bad things. I was out being an adult and I was out learning about life. Now they could perceive the things that I was doing as bad, but a lot of the things that they accused me of were things that they were already doing in their own life. And maybe they've already went through that and they've been quote unquote delivered and all of that stuff. But me, I'd like to think that I wasn't in bondage so I didn't need to be delivered what I was doing was going through my own life experiences so that I could develop my own story of how I went through things how I've tried different things and ultimately made the decision on who I am and who I was put on this earth to be and you have to be careful when people are pointing fingers at you and making you feel bad for the experiences and the opportunities that you've gone the things that you've gone through in life and the choices that that you've made in life, all of those things that have happened in your life, whether you chose to do them or whether you were dragged along or whatever, all of the decisions you were done, all of the things that you were attracted to, all of the bad decisions, the good decisions, the pretty things, the ugly things, all of those were your choice to make. And they're all a part of your experience in your life. And they're all a part of your story. So don't ever let anyone in your life tell you who you are and make you feel ashamed for the things that you had to do and maybe make you feel ashamed for the things that you didn't have to do. They're all a part of your story and they all build your character. There is no shame in being an alcoholic at one point in your life. There's no shame in being trying cocaine or heroin or ecstasy in one point of your life and maybe you don't do it anymore or maybe you still dibble dabble that's your story but don't ever be ashamed for trying because the people that have the most significant impact on this planet and it can impact the lives and spirits and hearts and minds of others are people that have tried almost everything and they can relate they have the power to relate to people and meet them where they are because it's a place that you've used they use you used to be i can't tell you what it's like to not do drugs i mean to do drugs if i've never tried it you know what i mean but let's also remove the stigma for a second a lot of people can talk about cocaine now coming from someone that's tried it multiple times i don't see the difference in doing that and versus drinking a whole bottle of whiskey if anything yeah it'll raise your blood pressure but you're probably less liable to crash your car doing a bump in the restroom versus taking four shots at the bar which the bartenders will clearly serve to you but that's neither here nor there my point is that i've specifically been through a lot of things in life and it's allowed me to relate to a lot of people on a lot of levels and i wouldn't trade that for the world if i would have done everything everyone in the church was telling me not to do or if i would have been too afraid or too afraid of getting ostracized or too afraid of getting beat up i would have or on the quote unquote straight and narrow i literally literally would not have have a story to tell i would not be relatable to certain people i wouldn't it would have taken away from my story and it would have removed the flavor of my of the substance of of my human being of my of who I am I wouldn't trade it for the world it's not worth it it wouldn't have been worth it I'm glad I didn't listen to everyone in the church I'm glad I took some of their advice I'm glad 
that I listened to the people that I felt care about me because I knew because it showed. There was this one lady, she was so sweet. You know, she she um, she adopted me in many ways and she even took me with her to South America on a missions trip because there was something about me. And she paid for my passport and she paid for my ticket and she paid for my accommodations So because she just felt that I wanted to be a part. She was one of those people that said they cared about me and she actually showed it. There was another lady, she would um she would give me groceries every now and again. Every now and again, she'd like she's like, I have too much food in my freezer. And she knew that I was struggling because I was getting real skinny at one point. And she knew that the church weren't paying me jack squat for all the time that they would de- all the times they would demand my presence, being there on Sunday, all day long, Tuesday for rehearsal, Wednesday, Saturday, all these events, and they were paying me like fifty dollars a week. She knew that I didn't have no gas and no food. So she would empty her freezer for me and I would go and I would have food for like a month or sometimes two. Um, she was just so sweet. It and so I took her counsel every now and again. She just loved on me. She wasn't so invested in what I was doing in my personal life. She wasn't trying to be nosy. She just loved on me and it showed. And I'll never forget her. Her name was Lorelai. She was amazing. Sorry, that made me emotional because it's important. It's important to have people. People in your life will tell you that they love you and they will tell you that they care for you and they'll always be there and they'll never show it. Or it's very rare that they'll show it. And oftentimes when they do show it, it's in these commercialized moments of Christmas and Valentine's Day and your birthday and it's this superficial shit that you you get forced to believe. That's why subconsciously I don't like Christmas and all those other holidays because you had all year to show me that you cared. You had all year to prove it, and you chose the, the, the commercialized holidays when you chose to show it. That's why I don't believe you because you had – where were you when I was getting evicted? In my early adulthood, I've been evicted almost set, more than seven times. Seven times. Imagine that, seven apartments, packing up my stuff, taking all of my clothes, throwing them on top of the mattress, wrapping them in sheets, and throwing them in the moving truck if I could afford one. There's so many stories that have come along with that, but all of the parties that I threw, all of the people that I took in who are um, having weird living situations, all of the moments of my life when I was struggling and had no one to turn to, where were all those people that act, that said that they cared? Where were the ones that showed it? It's very rare. And I think in your life, you'll probably only have about four, if you're lucky, four real friends, four true friends. If you're lucky. If you're blessed. So I grew up. I grew up a lot over the years and was fortunate to travel. And like I said, we'll go through a lot of that later on. But one thing I want to leave you with today or one thing I want to ask you for your light notes today is what story can you tell? What have you been through in your life? What things have you been through in your life Make you what makes you relevant to today to the person next to you to people around you? 
What is it about your life that makes you unique? What is it about your life? What's happened in your life that gives you a story to tell? If you could think of anything right now, any advice to give someone right now based on the life that you've lived, what advice would you give them? And I really want you to think about it. Think about it wholeheartedly. Think about it wholeheartedly because that's really why we go through a lot of things in life. It's not just for us. We go through things in life because these experiences help shape and mold not only our character, but it's our way of contributing to the lives of people around us. Just think about that for a moment. You know, what I've learned about in my life and the things that I've seen and went through, I've learned about myself that I'm not looking for a life that's always easy. I just want to know it was all worth it in the end. So as we embark on all of these episodes and these stories and my friends that I'll bring on over time, I want to encourage you, every every story you have to tell, all of your experiences, Don't be ashamed of them. Don't be ashamed of the poor decisions that you've made or the not so great decisions that you've made. Don't be afraid of that. Who you are, your story is not just a part of who you are. It's a part of the fabric of who you are. That fabric should be flaunted. It should be celebrated. It should be worn by you because it's who you are. And wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you're doing, don't forget who you are. Because who you are is special and who you are is unique. Even if you can't light up the room when you enter the room, at least you made it to the room. Even if you're not eloquent with your speech or have these amazing stories about your life to share with people, your life still has significance because it's who you are. It's a part of your fabric. We all have to take our fabric and flaunt our fabric. We all have to make conscious decisions every day to share that fabric if we need to. To help each other find our fabric or design new ways to wear our fabric. Your light notes today are to wear your fabric. You are special. You are amazing. And most importantly, you are who you are. And that's the only person you're actually required to be. Peace and blessings to you all. This is Light Notes. See you next time.